Hi, I'm Harry. Hi, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. To games on film the podcast that celebrates video game movies and we're back with an all-time classic it's street fighter not that one <laughs> street fighter the animated movie which um i'm confused it's listed as 94 is yes, that right okay that's right. i thought it was 94 i thought it was earlier actually it's got this real early 90s vibe but it's funny i remember when the live action movie came out and people are going, oh, this is a bit shit. I mean, we actually quite like it now, don't we? But um, I remember people saying, you know what is the best Street Fighter movie? Street Fighter, the animated movie. Not The Legend of Chun-Li. Not that one. We haven't got round to that one yet. But Street Fighter 2, the animated movie. Um, this is actually a, a listener request. Oh, yes. yes. We had a listener, Joseph, get in touch and say, you should do this one. And it's like, yeah. I guess we should. We're gonna, anyway. <laughs> but no, we are, we're doing this especially for you. Um, just like Kylie Minogue. <laughs> she sang especially for you, right? I think... With Jason Donovan? I, you know what? Herself? My knowledge of Street Fighter far outweighs my knowledge of Jason Donovan and Kylie Minogue duets. <laughs> but there we go. There is a Kylie connection, of course, because she played Cammy in the original Street Fighter. And uh, Cammy's in the, on the back of the VHS box. Um, but not that much in the film. No. <laughs> but the film, I think, is, well, in comparison to the live-action version, which, uh, so this film came out in Japan in August of 1994, and then the uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Raoul Julia movie came out in December of 1994 in the US, and then in May 1995 in Japan. So this technically predates only by a short amount, the the live-action movie. And it's fair to say this stews closer to the video game source material mm. um, in terms of particularly how the characters are depicted and their backstories and how everything looks and the moves and the combat far closer than the, um, the live-action film. I see... Um, to honour the occasion, Rory, you're wearing the same clothes I've seen you for the last 20 years because I noticed all these characters never change their costumes regardless of situation. It's just... So, I mean, the big question when you see Chun-Li is like, okay, she works for Interpol. Why are you dressed like that, Chun-Li? <laughs> and... And Ryu, um, surely well, that outfit could do with a wash? Must ronk, mustn't it? I mean, even still, like, I'm sure he does wash it on a regular basis, but he carries a bag with him. Do you think he just has the exact same outfit in there oh. and he just swaps it out? What is in his bag? Kendall mint cake? Um, <laughs> Ken a, Masters mint cake. Ken Masters mint cake. Uh, like a, a Rubik's Cube, which he tries to defeat using punches and kicks. It's just a massive bag of trail mix. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he goes around the world, comes back for his trail mix, 
off he goes again. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's I agree. It it works incredibly closely to the source material, but you do have to turn off your galaxy brain just a little bit <laughs> because it, uh, yeah, doesn't make a whole lick of sense. Well, I'd say it makes maybe as much sense as the live action version to it to an extent. But I think I think um, so. This film it's an animated movie. And it's animated by a company called Group TAC, which um, I think from the success of this film, they then did a follow-up series called Street Fighter 2 V, which was an animated series. Um, and then Street Fighter Alpha, the animation. Neither of those necessarily um, follow on directly from this film, but some of the same, at least Japanese voice actors, continue reprising their characters um, although the only kind of video game animation thing that I could find that they did as well was the Beautiful Joe anime. Oh, cool. Um, later on, um, another Capcom property. But I think, um, yes, the fact that this, I suppose, Street Fighter fans um, herald this as being the closest uh, approximation to the video game origins and I think in general this is considered one of the best video game movies particularly in terms of animated video game movies and mm. this year in particular on the podcast we've done quite a lot we've done Dead Space we've done Bayonetta we've done Mass Effect we've done one of the Pokemons at least mm. um, <laughs> oh god they're all blending together um but yes, I, I think when people consider video game movies and animated video game movies, this usually, you know, there's a bunch of articles, probably about 10 screen rant articles just about this movie saying why this film, 10 reasons why this film is better than, mm -hmm. you know, this, that and the other. So um, it comes with, uh, yeah, quite a lot of... Um, it has a reputation. Yeah, it has a reputation. Much like Ryu walking the earth and everyone knows about him, this this video game movie is walking through like all the shit. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's a really dirty gi you're wearing there, Ryu. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, in terms of the version that we watched, um, there are various versions out there. Mm -hmm. And most of the versions are whether or not it has a particular sequence intact. Um, but without sort of going sort of too far down the line on that, um, we, I think, watched a uncut English language voice dub. Mm. And um, what is also sort of, uh, I guess, separates this film from the live action version as well, is that this definitely skews more adult. I'll, I'll say adult, not grown up. <laughs> <laughs> but it definitely skews more adult in terms of there is blood, there is a bit more intense violence, there is bad language, there is nudity, Oof. whereas the... Terrible nudity in bad language. Terrible nudity. Terrible. <laughs> um, whereas the live action film is definitely... It's not the sort of nudity you can share with your family. <laughs> it depends <laughs> unless you family a, dinner. a bunch of naturists. Get that off the table. <laughs> um, but uh, I think... Um, Did I make you lose your train of thought there? Yeah, Sorry. No. <laughs> All that nudity. Um, I know, I was just trying to think of my Wait. crap Christmas cracker joke. Where I don't want to see your cracker. The... Uh, <laughs> Uh, what was it? My crap Christmas cracker joke. 
was um i don't like parsnips at christmas lunch so i asked him to put his shirt back on parsnips yeah oh god there's well there's there's a lot of toplessness in this a lot of nips male and female nips yeah um so this definitely kind of is a darker grittier version of <laughs> is it street though? fighter I, i'm, I'm just saying this is it's, what it's aiming it's darker for, yeah i'd say um at least just in comparison to the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, which I think is like skewed more to like a kind of like teen mm. audience. And this is teen in a different way. There's like a kind of, yeah. when you say teen audience, there's like, there's like a very crucial difference between like a 13 year old boy <laughs> and a 14 year old boy, I think in terms of maybe, I don't know. Explain to me the differences in, in, in biological well, detail. <laughs> I'm not going to go in down that route. I'm just saying like, there's uh when people think oh this is for teens actually when they think for teens it's like everything's skewed a bit younger so they actually just like oh teens are really into like Jean-Claude Van Damme kicking someone in the head when actually <laughs> teens are really into seeing naked girls showering mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah that's that's kind of I, I suppose the sort of um adolescent in places approach that this film has but uh it's yeah i think i think it's it's just interesting because like my impression of street fighter 2 was always that this is like colorful day glow fun exciting mm. kind of like stuff like the the characters i mean this film was made in 1994 street fighter 2 was like 91 92 or something but like instantly iconic characters and i think this film sort of captures them pretty well in terms of how they look and it is sort of colorful to an extent but it is also you know kind of now let's make them say shit every now and then <laughs> instead so it did stick out there i think um i think is it guy who says to bison i'm gonna rip your fucking heart out to which bison retorts i don't have one or something along those lines that, yeah that made me chuckle there are some pretty good quips and some pretty good sweary quips in that respect like i i think the sort of i i appreciate the the realization of the character of of bison in this because he's talking about how you know cammy who's this brainwashed agent has been captured by interpol and bison's just like i don't give a shit (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's not having a good day he's been watching too much succession and he's like taking notes yeah that's the show i've not watched but it's in the cultural uh, moment and i know to reference it it's really good it's about rich people being mean and swearing i know and brian cox is in it like we we can't you can't be a podcast at the moment and not talk about succession so here we go. There's your succession bit. M. Bison's succession. Let's go watch a squid game. <laughs> oh, I like a squid game. Um, Etc. I mean, just talking about different versions in the dub, I think there was a few kind of unintentionally funny moments um, where maybe there was more Japanese talking than, than mouth movements and things. So, like, there's a bit <laughs> where Gal is travelling somewhere um, on his own in a helicopter, and then over the intercom, somebody says, yeah. "We're approaching. We're approaching the Laos border now." And there's a pause, and then Gal turns to like stage left and says, "Roger." And it's <laughs> like, 
well, he, he, he can't hear you. <laughs> it's like, and the intercom should have been like a Skinner in The Simpsons. I shouldn't have been able to hear that. <laughs> just, and um, Maybe Roger was um, his colleague who Bison killed. And yeah, he, well, he's, he's just thinking about Roger. And yeah. um, I think later on again with Guile, um, he's on... Okay, I'm going to... Let's just say spoilers from here and out for Street Fighter because we're going to slight spoilers because... Uh, Chun Li ends up in hospital. <laughs> Sorry, I'm mean, just laughing thinking about it. I'm not laughing at Chun Li being brutalized and put in the hospital. But um, towards the end of the film, Giles driving along his sports car because everyone's driving a sports car in these in this film. He's driving along. He gets a call from the hospital, and someone on the phone goes, "Come to the Central New York Hospital urgently." And Giles goes, "I'll be right there." And he hangs up. And there's another pregnant pause, and then he goes. Chung Lee! And then he, he does a U-turn and starts driving away. And for a hot minute, I thought, did you just forget your friend's in hospital? And then you answer the phone from the hospital and the hospital says, come here urgently. And your your thought was, why do they want me at the hospital? <laughs> but that's that whole thing is like a complete ruse. Like, he gets to the oh, hospital, he causes a car crash in, in terms of a couple of almost crashes too. And then he... Um... It turns out it was just Chun Li playing dead and being like, "Ha ha!" And when we say playing dead, she has put the covers over her like she is a corpse. <laughs> How long is she there for? Like, you know, for all she knows, he's in Thailand right now. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, okay. "It's just like uh, Miss Chun Li. We need that hospital bed." It's just like, no, no, this will be really, <laughs> this will funny. Be really funny. I think the other thing about the the English version that we watched is the music. Um, oh right, because I liked the music. There well, we it's I'm, I, I, no, I'm not so saying <laughs> you're not much. slating my rock from 1994. I mean, there's a yeah. So that's this version of the soundtrack is kind of rock, grunge, heavy. Then there's with corn on the soundtrack, Alice in Chains. I think the original soundtrack is a bit more kind of orchestral led and. I don't know. I, I think snippets of a, of the game music is sort of weaved into mm. the themes, and so it's a shame that this version doesn't have that. Um, but sure, it 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 serves a purpose. It's it's fine. I think the only problem was, and maybe it was like the audio mix or something, but it was just like so loud that it was quite a lot just the music, and some of the dialogue got a little bit kind of lost in there. I um, see. But, you know, maybe I'm just using the wrong headphones or something. <laughs> well, oh, no, I was going to think maybe I when we, we first saw this together, I think on in Love Film DVDs where you could rent a DVD. Do you remember physical media, kids? Um, and I think I wasn't so impressed last time I watched this. But I think I, I usually save this till after we even do the VHS box. But I really dug it this time. And maybe it was because of different music. But I thought, no, why would they have a specially... Why would it be like a US unrated dub with two different music tracks? I don't know. Not, I'm just going to have to vent a time machine and go back and ask me, why aren't you enjoying this, Harry? The ultimate video game mega hit is now the ultimate incredibly animated motion picture. In the not so distant future, civilization is under attack. 
leading the forces of darkness is the evil mastermind, Bison, who is determined to capture the minds and bodies of the world's greatest fighters for use in his manic plan to conquer the world. The only people on Earth with the powers to stop him are two legendary martial arts warriors. Together they face the fight to end all fights. The final battle of good against evil is about to begin. Full length, fully animated, full on street fighting action. This is no game. Fighter 2, the animated kick-ass movie only on manga video from October 2nd. Should we move on to the video box? Sure. Yeah, let's have a little much summary. Say, you know what Street Fighter's all about, and you know what Street Fighter movie's about. It's as, as little street fighting as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think this probably has more street fighting than... Oh, gosh, yes. Street Fighter. I mean, the major difference is that this has got so much fighting in it, and... I was trying to think how much actual fighting, just full stop, not even good fighting, but just fighting in the Street Fighter live action movie. Not a lot. Let alone on a street. Gosh, yeah. I don't even, I think people barely even walk on the street in that <laughs> film. It's like temples and military bases. But in this film, like, I don't know, what qualifies as a street? Does a does a harbour qualify as a street? Does mm. it have to be... Because a street is basically a pathway in an urban environment. It doesn't yeah. even have to be urban. Do you want me... Are you genuinely <laughs> asking me to look up the de dictionary definition of no, a street? No, I mean, we don't have to go down that route. I mean... That's the difference between a street and a road. Road I mean, fighter. Road fighter is like the British version of broken bottles and things. But... Cul-de-sac scrapper. <laughs> um, pathway punch-up? <laughs> Um, footpath frenzy. Um, what a bridal path brutality, <laughs> and so forth, and all the rest, and all those good games. So I've got here a VHS video box from, I think it was called VHSCollector.com, um, who are not our sponsors, but here we go. So on the back of the box, we've got our Ryu and Kami side by side. One of these is a main character. But <laughs> you've really got it in for Cammy's I think, cameo. I think, cameo. Oh, that's genius. Um, I think it's because part of the reason, perhaps, I wasn't so keen on this the first time I saw it, is that I was much more interested in seeing all the characters and doing of them all having significant roles. And I think perhaps one of the strengths of this film is that it is focused on a handful of characters, and it it's happy to. I mean, that's part of the problem I think with the live action movie. It's like all the characters in the live action movie are kind of in it throughout. You meet Sagat at the start of the live action, he, but he sort of he just he lingers throughout the film when all he's he's not doing really much at all. And um, I mean, so so same with Jean Claude Van Damme really in that film. <laughs> yeah, I suppose like in that film, like it feels like they crowbar in the characters into roles that they're not expected to do. So. It's like all of a sudden... Dalsum's Bal a scientist! Yeah, Balrog and Honda are like cameraman and boom operator. Yeah. And 
it's it's one of those things where in this everyone is there kind of being street fighters <laughs> you know to an extent and so yeah they're sort of shoehorned in in the sense that Ryu is like on this journey and we sort of follow him encountering these characters he says hello sees a street fight maybe competes in a street fight and then jogs on and moves on and does something else I'm actually does something else I think I've just had a major revelation about street fighter um like how long has the series been going on for since you said 91 yeah i think the first game was yeah 1990 possibly or earlier here's me working out how long ago that was and like, it's even <laughs> like the same number we're in 2021 so like 31 years okay. 32 years okay. or something. Okay. so it's taken me 30 years to realize this i always was under the impression that like M. Bison is holding a tournament and we're all getting taking part of the tournament. But really, if I think about the plane going around that little map and like what Ryu's doing and how the fights are done, it's just about people walking around having fights. It's kind of so it's really it, so like, are you telling me you knew this already, Rory, that it was just like people just going around having fights? Well, yeah. And then you end really... up fighting like the major terrorists of the world at the end. Yeah, I mean, like, the, this film, and I think the games, like, slap on a bit more of a plot. There's, like, a background to to that. But, yeah, it's not necessarily a tournament, so to speak. I just it's a tournament. And now I realise... Because the thing is, Ryu is just walking around beating people up, if you want to see it. I mean, the... Sometimes he does it for money. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. But like, <laughs> I mean, a film was trying to convey like the noble warrior forever perfecting himself. when he's actually just a guy in torn clothes beating the shit out of people. He's a common thug. He's just a thug. Anyway, without more preamble, Street Fighter 2, the animated movie. All the lightning fisted kung fu powered thrills of the world's hottest video game explode to a head spitting new level of action in the awesomely animated feature length adventure Street Fighter 2 the animated movie in the near future didn't get that but it tracks I suppose in the near future the world is besieged by arch villain Bison and his under underworld crime syndicate Shadow Law but even Bison's psychic powers and brainwashed minions can't bring him the prize he wants most Ryu the greatest street fighter on the planet. Meanwhile, deep in the mountains of China, Ryu continues his martial arts training, unaware of Bison's reign of fear. But when Ryu's best friend is captured by Bison, the young warrior is forced to take action. Now, allied with US Carly Colonel Guile and the beautiful Interpol agent Chung Li, Ryu prepares for the fight of his life as the ultimate showdown between good and evil begins. Running time, approx 94 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I um, like how it's approximately 94 minutes. It's like, who can tell? One time you watch it, it could be 93. <laughs> we have a stopwatch and we try and click it at the end and it just fucks up. Um, just quickly, it says here US Army Colonel Guile, and in the dub, they kept calling him Captain Guile. And that was really. I was going, is, is he. What, his captain's his boats. And he arrives in the film on the plane. As in flying a plane, he pops off his helmet with a flat top. I'm like, oh, it's helmet hair. That's why his hair looks like that. I don't know enough about U.S. Army ranking. No, and right, also, right in. <laughs> and also, it's like um, 
when they said Shadow Law, I was like, I thought it was Shadowloo. And then I guess it's actually Lish Shadow Law. I think, yeah, I, I, it's one of those things where... I think that works more, Shadow I, Law. Yeah, I think too. I mean, it's the difference between like the actual underground lore of the world and, and going to the toilet <laughs> and like laying down some toilet tissue so no one can hear the splash. Or is that just me? <laughs> it is just me. Is that what you call it? Shadowloo? Shadowloo. Uh, <laughs> um, I think, uh, yeah. The and the other thing was obviously like because we were watching it's a Japanese animation, but dubbed into English, and so the characters are called Bison, Balrog, Vega, and and the background when Chun Li's explaining the different characters and introducing these yeah, uh, on a massive video wall sub boss mercenaries. They've got their Japanese original names in the background yeah. instead. We see a picture of M. Bison, but the text says Barog. And I, I can imagine everyone gathering around like, do we do we tell her? Got, <laughs> it's like her PowerPoint's messed up. <laughs> um, so yeah, Street Fighter 2, the animated movie. Uh, as I revealed, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> but I think, here's the thing. I think I was just vibing most of all with just it was a mid-90s to early 90s anime, the kind of which you don't see anymore. And, and, and you know, there's a lot of problematic stuff wrapped up, in, wrapped up in that because, of course, there's that extended sequence where Charlie's having a shower for no reason. It's just there. And Well, I don't know. It, 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 leads sh- on, it leads on to her being attacked and she's vulnerable. It's the whole thing of being vulnerable while wet and, and naked. Yeah, it also demonstrates that she is very clean. <laughs> it's important. Ew! <laughs> no. Well, we established that we thought that Ryu maybe is a bit stinky. I guess so. They're so... like the ultimate odd couple. <laughs> it's stinky and clean! <laughs> yeah. No. Um, but yes, th- there is a certain amount of sort of, because when she's in the shower, etc., there is a certain amount of tension and, you know, she's being sort of stalked and, and things. We have sort of POV of mm. an intruder but yes it is very much then there's a shot where you see everything it is to titillate yes um undoubtedly yeah um but so there's that and you know but and, you know it just it, that sort of reminds me of like all those sort of whispered about uh anime vhs tapes you'd have as you're a kid like legend of the Overfiend and like even akira like all these like incredibly violent films from the east and um just the very aesthetic of cell animation you know i just i watch a lot of we've, we, as you mentioned we've done a lot of uh animated movies and they're all very cheap looking and they all have been on a computer and just just not just doesn't have that feel to them yeah nothing has looked as nice as this and, th- and th- i think like part of that is this is a very sort of dark film in the sense that so much of it takes place sort of particularly like the opening, like in shadows and things. And like even every kind of like muscle casts a shadow mm. uh, in this, but it, it creates kind of like depth to the look and just like a kind of like a bit more of a texture. And also just, um, I think particularly, you know, Japanese animation has sometimes a reputation that the action can be, like hyper stylized, but like almost a bit static mm, in, in not places. Not terribly smooth. Yeah, so it'll usually be like a static image of someone doing a like a kick midair. The background's going crazy, but 
you know, there's nothing else going on with the character. Whereas here, like the combat is really fluid mm. and it's very, you know, the moves are kind of represented from the game intact. And I, I think, yeah, to a degree, a lot of that stuff is inherently silly. But what I liked is that this film wasn't really too ashamed of that. It's just like, oh, this character doing like a kind of spinning pile drive through the sky or whatever. It's just like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Like they can do that. They're the best of the best. So I think it's just, um, you know, quite often with these films, you know, when the action comes, I kind of switch off. Whereas mm. here it's like, no, the action is really impressive. It's, it's punchy, crunchy. <laughs> munchy Fun, munchy funchy because that's banker <laughs> munchy on someone's life. yeah yeah i mean without you, you mentioned the word already but without with pun not intended there's a real punchiness i think to the character design the the action i mean from what you're saying i'm remembering uh bayonetta which i think was just so much stuff on the screen but not animated particularly great and so it just so i say all this I think the aesthetics was really luxuriant for me. I just was so happy to be there. Um, and that really, I mean, the, the story isn't bad, but there isn't much to it. It really is, let's find M. Bison and kick his ass. Meanwhile, M. Bison wants to get hold of Ryu. Um, and because brainwash his ass. He's got a fighting, a potential fighting capacity of 3,620, <laughs> uh, according to a robot. Um, yeah, mine, mine is about two. I, I tested myself. <laughs> it's funny when that showed up because it was just like potential fighting capacity three thousand six hundred twenty. It's just like I can't tell you if that's good or bad. <laughs> and then later on, like this scientist who looks a bit like a cross between like this the, in, from Akira. Yes, he's... there's like the doctor plus like the politician Nezu, and like he's kind of like a mix between oh, the God, two. That's exactly right. I mean, I'd had to google a picture of the scientist from akira because like he's the same guy yeah but then he says he qualifies it and says oh the average martial arts expert around 2000 points it's like oh so yeah i can see why 3620 is an exciting score then. yeah oh con context is everything <laughs> but considering that you usually get like 3000 or so points during one bout of street fighter it's just mm -hmm. like uh, what's the you know well, he got a load of those fighting points by beating up a car <laughs> that, that all adds up. He's doing. He's basically doing the equivalent of grinding. But later on, uh, Ryu's in, in... <laughs> children. He's beat up a bunch of children <laughs> at the orphanage. Well, Ryu's in Calcutta uh, later on, and he accidentally um, trips up a small girl carrying a pail of milk, and she spills it everywhere. And she's almost crying over spilt milk. Not quite, but almost. Lip wobble over spilt milk. And uh, like Ryu's like, here you go, and gives her three notes with the number five on and the currency is i mean i don't know if she's if that's 15 us dollars mm -hmm. but if it's local currency that's 15 rupees which equivalent current currency is 15p now 15p might get you a pail of milk in 1994 near future calcutta mm. but it doesn't seem like the most sort of generous act after <laughs> she's probably just gonna spend it on drugs anyway <laughs> no but i don't also think they release 15p notes no it was five, five it was P three notes, notes of five know. but look that scene i mean the thing about ryu i've always viewed him as a bit of a blank canvas you know i've never really got why people love him so much and admittedly i don't read too deep into the lore 
of any particular Street Fighter character. But I think one thing this film did really well is convey how he is a man dedicated to perfection, to being the best, but not in a sort of self-aggrandizing way. He just wants to be perfect and again that sounds really not this what's that word i know i'm i'm so not this word that i can't remember how to say it narcissistic that's the one sure (laughs) so he is just there to be the best that he can be he wants to hit that 4k potential fighting capacity oh absolutely yeah (laughs) but anyway he wants to get to 4k and then punch god (laughs) but um you know and he gives this money to the child he's completely selfless He's just walking the earth. Uh, he's there for his friends. And so, I don't know. I, I got this film helped me finally understand why for some uh, people, like, they really connect with Ryu. Yeah. And, and like, I think as well, it, it's nice to have, as you say, you know, the live action film, Ryu and Ken weren't really the main focus. Oh, bloody hell. Um, and like, not even the characterization we've just been talking about. Yeah, exactly. Whereas this, like, you know, quite often we have these quiet moments where flashbacks to Ryu and Ken training. We find out why Ryu wears the iconic red band oh, around his head. Oh, my heart melted. It's like the Burton Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yes, because he bonks his head and Ken gives him like his, his hairband to help stop it's Ryu's brain bleeding. Sorry, he doesn't wear a hairband. Well, you know, it's a hairband to keep his ponytail. I don't know. In place. I thought that was like over the head. It's not an Alice band. No, that's what I was thinking of. <laughs> um, but yeah, he wraps his head around to stop his brain from bleeding. I which... loved how they say goodbye to each other. And I feel like I want to end the podcast this way, where I think Ryu goes, take care, hot shots. And Ken goes, see you next time, muscle man. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's you can see there's this bond between them. And it's, it's, it's funny. Well, it's, it's nice how... They haven't like see. They've trained together for ten years, and then they just haven't seen each other since. But mm. still, they have this kind of like flashback, psychic, not quite psychic, but you know, sort of this bond beyond um, between them. So yeah, when like Ken gets abducted and by Bison and gets psychopowered, brainwashed, you do sort of like feel for, yeah like, will for they ever see each situation? other again i don't think they actually have a psychic bond i just think they are thinking about each other a lot yeah yeah and i'm not trying to make that a gay thing it's just that they don't have much going on in their lives <laughs> <laughs> just like Ryu. do you remember that time i used to have like friends and meet people and, and you know spoke to somebody for longer than five minutes before beating them up <laughs> yeah we're sort of like well we see ryu and he's he's basically doing a tom cruise in mission impossible 2 where he's like sort of standing on a big rock and his Mm. biceps look like walnuts and he's just sort of like focusing he does a lot of like there's a lot of stillness and you know it's it's nice like you know when later on sort of ken is trying to like he's basically down and out for the count and he's flashing back and he's like having to kind of like think about his his sensei's teachings and mind and body and focus and stuff there's like a bit more you know there's also like people kicking each other in the face but there's like a you can kind of like feel a bit more of the spirituality spirituality that's what you're getting yeah yeah i would i think this is really well directed as well because like 
that the shot of the shots of Ryu where he himself are, is really still and his clothes are moving, his hair's moving in the breeze. And I think so oftentimes that's well, oftentimes characters are still in anime because it's just cheap. But I think those moments when the when the clothes are moving and Ryu is solid, I think it's absolutely conveying that he is um he's just highly tuned he he's got that he's got a stillness about him and he can be unleashed his power can be unleashed in a moment's notice and um there's another shot a bit later on where his sagat views himself as ryu's nemesis mm-hmm. the film starts with the iconic moment where um ryu Dawkins. i can watch people oh, show ryukin i can see i can watch people do shirayukens all day now and all day long because that's so much fun but ryu defeats him and sagat really wants to kill ryu and halfway through the film sagat's ended up being one of uh i mean <laughs> m bison's got this wonderful set of henchmen one of which is dressed as a boxer <laughs> just like this is what i say about the costumes like you, you really committed to this boxer thing like you are my sort of one of my leaders in my empire but do you want to just not wear boxing gloves for a bit <laughs> um they're the, they're the sub bosses from sub the game bosses, exactly the yeah. sub bosses are all henchmen sagat really wants to beat up ryu and 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 is like bitch i've told you stop it okay you're not you're not you know this is your last scene of the film fuck off <laughs> and then he goes and we camera just holds it's a still shot no i think the camera's pulling in or pulling away there is some camera movement but sagat is just stood there looking at bison's empty chair and i think it conveyed so much about his state of mind and i just really i mean this is why i'm talking about good directional choices i think it, it trusts the audience enough to take a, a, a static shot of this one character deep in thought and you, and you know everything's going on and we had to spend the last five minutes saying how much we wanted to beat up ryu but <laughs> but you know what i mean i think there was some conflict i don't think though we see saga again and that's yeah, a shame i think it's but it's a good you know as you say it's a good thing to close the character <laughs> off on like have that have that sad sagat pull out like the sad ben affleck yeah in the interview although <laughs> i've just realized a missed opportunity because the end of this film is ryu doing his best impression of bruce of David Banner from the in- Incredible Hulk TV show. He's walking into the sunset, down a road, um, and then, like, a truck appears. And then Bison, who we last saw getting exploded, um, is driving the truck. And do you know what? It would have been so much better if Sagat was like, it's me, bitch! <laughs> and it's like, I'm going to defeat you with a truck. Shiro, Shiro, you can this. <laughs> Like, well, I mean, with the power of trucks, I defeat you. Well, in the games, like you know, as we established earlier, like you have to beat up a car at one point. So this is just like the next level. Yeah, you killed my mum, says the truck. <laughs> it's the truck from Jewel. Captain Gale, we'll be in the mountains at the Laos border in a few minutes. Roger. Master Bison, we just received word that Gaal is aboard a military helicopter now heading for the Tai Laos border. We believe he's discovered Ryu's location. How nice. He did the work for us. <laughs> it seems the captain's trying to get there before we reach him first. 
will be there. We'll take Ken and give him a nice warm welcome. But sir, Ken isn't quite ready yet. No choice. I'll let Ryu and Ken fulfill their destinies by staging the fight they've been longing for. Make preparations to bring Ryu back with us. Yes, sir. Please, Master. Give me the chance to prove myself against Ryu. Remember, you are a Shadow Law warrior now, Sagat. Put these commonplace thoughts aside. But, sir, we're talking about fighters' pride and my reputation here. Fighters' pride, how dull. The world is now your arena, not the street. My lord, please! Sagat! I'm losing patience. My authority is absolute and I won't tolerate questioning. I hope that's clear. Besides, you have other orders to carry out. You'll leave for New York at once to take care of Kami and Vega, if he's not dead already. You'll soon learn that Shadowlaw does not forgive mistakes. Yeah, because at, at the start is where we see Sagat. Um, yeah, the Shoryuken gives him his famous scar. So we see the origins of, like, Sagat and Ryu's spat. But also that opening, the way it looks and when... You know, Ryu sort of Hadouken's the screen is much like the kind of arcade attract mode mm. opening for Super Street Fighter 2. Um, and also that whole sequence has um, been immortalized in Street Fighter 5, the most recent game, with a Field of Fate stage, which is meant to represent that opening from the movie. Mm -hmm. So it's all kind of like windswept, stormy, lightning bolt field, which, you know, it's it's cool and gives an indication again of the legacy of this film, uh, not just Street Fighter II, the game itself. And in reality, because it's a cloudy sky, you couldn't see anyone there. Unless, like, Sakat's got his car with the headlights on. And he's got his truck. <laughs> he's got his truck, the headlights on, they have his fight, he goes back to his truck, oh, he's, the battery's dead because he's been just been sat there with the <laughs> headlights on. And also had the radio on. <laughs> the radio on. The in lights, inner light is on. And he's he was just charging up his phone. Yeah, Ryu, Ryu do you mind? Because I just give you any jump leads. <laughs> it's like, I hate you, but it's I okay. need you. I'll, I'll, I'll harness the power of lightning. Here you go with my Hadouken. That's what he was doing. He was giving Sagat, doing Sagat a favor. He was yeah. like, I'm going to charge your truck so much. Yeah. He looks at his um, completely blackened truck and thinks that made it worse, I think. <laughs> so as we mentioned, during this fight uh which i again thought was really stylish really cool early 90s anime styly you get some very dated terminator light effects over the fight which we learn is the viewpoint of these monitor cyborgs monitor cyborgs <laughs> they kind of look a bit like seth the yes baddie and like, i guess the main villain of Street Fighter 4, which is the last Street Fighter game I played to any kind of, I wouldn't say depth, because I was never very good, but mm. it's the one I played to sort of any point of uh, dedication, I suppose. It's so funny how the villain of the piece, Bison, he, or I think in a few of these fighting movies we do, they want to create like the ultimate boss, the ultimate badass. And we know in fighting video games, they're just cheap bastards. Who are like always like <laughs> you know, tripping you up or being dicks. I want to be the ultimate dick. Um, that's Bison's job. But that was sort of the plot of the DOA Dead or Alive movie as well. Yeah, that's that what I was thinking of. Like wants to 
bring all the world's best fighters together to steal all their styles. And Bison's plot in this is to scan all these street fighters uh, with his cyborg soldiers in order to find the ultimate warrior to join his um, Shadow Law army to be his yeah. like kind of like brainwashed psycho power minion. I can see the benefit of having brainwashed fighters, but then what's step two? <laughs> I mean, step three is profit. Step three is profit, <laughs> as we know. But I think there's an early scene when I think uh, agents or gangsters or whatever from Shadow Law they arrive in like a black car. They shoot up a load of people. They turn them into mincemeat. And it, somebody says these are Shadow Law people. Um, I guess the sort uh, of terrorists who are like he's trying to destabilize various different, you know, yes. um, governments, etc. So. When we have Cammy at the start, it takes place in London, except she's got an American accent. She's British in the games. Everyone's got American accents yeah, in a, London. No, I love how I think E Hondo and he says to Ryu, Japanese fighters stick together. Yeah. <laughs> but... Sounds like he's from Texas. <laughs> um, but yes, so Cammy is this MI6 agent who has been brainwashed by Shadow Law to take out this politician. Um, and did you like enjoy the journalist's sort of very vanilla questions fired at the politician? They were like, um, uh, can you make a statement on the homeless? Corruption! <laughs> and therefore, like, pineapple on pizza, for or against? <laughs> Stuff like that. Do you hang the loo roll facing <laughs> forwards or facing backwards? Oh, no, I can't, I can't comment on that. Well, that's the thing. Politicians actually don't answer these questions because exactly. these are the things which really determine whether people vote for them or not. It's just like, oh, like you sort of are responsible for the deaths of thousands of people for an inefficient rolling out of a uh, mm -hmm. coronavirus protection program. Yeah, sure, we'll vote for you still. It's just like, oh, but pineapple on pizza, no. fuck you. I mean, not lying, I was thinking about Theresa May uh, recently, like asked, being asked what's her favourite thing to do. And you know, she says, going through a field of wheat that wasn't her favorite thing that was oh. can you talk about the naughtiest thing you've oh ever my done? god that was the naughtiest thing she'd ever done i mean that's a quite a difficult question for a politician to answer i would admit that but i mean yeah racking this... her roller decks in her brain for like the most inoffensive thing the easiest thing to say is that i took a cannabis once no you can't even say that <laughs> she said i pushed the eye of a puppy into its skull until it popped <laughs> that's that's pretty naughty isn't it uh, I killed a bunch of people once. <laughs> <laughs> Good reference to Beavers and Butthead. Um, yeah, I like how Kemi was also, she's in this crowd waiting to assassinate this um, this chap. I can't remember what his role, his job was. Uh, she's in like robe. She's in like a robes to like... It's a little Red Riding Hood. She's dressed as a Red Riding Hood and I think it's to hide her identity. But also, again, she is in like, like the most tight, her iconic tight swimsuit. And she's also taken the time to sort of still paint her legs with like military camo camo paint. I just, I mean, I'm a I'm a cami stan. I like playing as cami in the game. And maybe again, that's why I was a bit disappointed in the '90s when I was like, it wasn't the '90s when I saw this, but you know what I mean, uh, listener. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit disappointed. She only appears in it a little bit briefly, but again, she's meant to be a flipping MI6 agent, and I can't see James Bond dressed like that. It would be pretty good. I mean, I which know. which Bond would pull that off? 
Roger Moore. Roger Moore, bollock either side of the old swimsuit. Mahogany bollock. <laughs> the mahogany bollock is on Roger Moore. You heard it here first. Um, but this, so luckily, I guess, because we don't know if this politician, we don't know what this politician's stance on pineapple and pizza is, but luckily he survives and is and Cammy is arrested. Does he? I don't know. Um, it looks like his body's been contorted, and I, like, forg- I don't see his head anymore. I've forgotten this bit. Did you? Did you? Did you? I have him? no idea, but it looks like it looks like he's been snapped in two. Okay, he, he probably didn't pull through then. <laughs> um, <laughs> completely missed that. Yes, that's gone from my brain now. Um, so Cammy is being interrogated. And looking on to this is is Chung Lee, and this kind of all rolls out where I think Chung Lee's on the mission to take down Bison, and she wh- I can't remember why she approaches Guile. I think they both have a mutual hatred of Bison because on a, on a particular Tuesday, Bison killed their parents or or colleagues. Do we even mention Charlie in this film? They don't name him. Specifically, but it is revealed that Guile says that like his best friend was killed by Bison. Chanley reveals her father was killed by Bison, and Bison later confirms, "I can remember her father's unfortunate accident," which goes against the Raul Julia Bison, who uh, yeah. at least he remembers the day of the week, possibly. But yes. it's there's there's definitely a disconnect there. <laughs> you know, there's there's a deleted scene I'm sure in the live action Street Fighter where Bison. As it's Coop de Grasse is like, you know, when I said you killed your father on a Tuesday, it was Wednesday. <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, yeah, he he. We get a flashback. That's a few, this is a quite a flashback heavy movie, and I think the only flashback that Bison gets is remembering that quote unquote accident. I mean, he's a man who's got the very power of psychosis to hand. But this murder, he went for a classic. Yeah, knock him off a big building. Pushed. <laughs> oh, got to. Oh, okay. That was a bit disappointing. <laughs> um, I can't. So they approach each other, and I think Guile is like, "Oh, sorry, I did watch this bit a few days ago. I've watched this ninety-minute movie over a few days. Don't ask me why." Even though I enjoy it, but um, I think Guile doesn't want to join forces of Interpol. He wants to do his own thing. Yeah, he's basically just like self-absorbed, one-man revenge mission about the whole situation, and Chun Li's trying to get him on board. And they do eventually team up, but only after Guile says, "I can't stand women who jabber like parrots." Get yeah. in my car. <laughs> <laughs> I do wonder if Guile has only ever increased in rank because people don't dare say no to him. He's pretty intimidating. I mean, almost all the men in here would struggle to get into like a vol- a classic Volkswagen Beetle. They're like that muscular. Everyone, yeah, it's funny. There's like definitely two heights in this film. There's either like normal human being. Or there is freakishly tall, mm. kind of like twice the size, and there are just certain fighters who are just gargantuan in comparison to um, the you know the I others. Mean, e Honda obviously is extremely fat, but it is a lot of muscle. But as you say, everyone everyone's just got all these like 
like not abs, not just at the front, but all over the place. <laughs> abs up and down the arms. I think uh, Bison's chin is actually abs. <laughs> Bro, how much? How, how much can your chin bench? Um, <laughs> I just do pl- my chin crunches. He planks on his face between his nose and his chin. <laughs> He's just flat on his face. Um, so we do join forces. Um, so we do ping pong now between, I guess, various fights because uh, these monitor cyborgs trying... I think they're tracking monitor cyborgs. Is that what's happening? They're sort of like trying to look for Ryu. And I think it's like, well, if we scan and find some of the world's best warriors, mm. then Ryu might sort of pop up as well. Oh, and yeah. at the same time, we'll gather data and the top international fighters too. Yeah, because I think... Um, because like we have Cyborg in Seattle, um, <laughs> uh, scanning uh, T Hawk, uh, matching up against Ken, and do we have a we don't have a Cyborg when Ryu is with Fei Long? That's just a kind of like encounter bout on the way, yeah. I think Ryu's we, kind of like walking I, through China. I think that's when we rejoin Ryu. Um, he's still on his journey and we, we meet him I guess in the present day I can't remember how long ago his spat with Sagat was, I think it's been a couple of years and um, I think Fei Long was like, this guy, he says he's the best, I don't think so I think, is that, is that I think I said that verbatim <laughs> <laughs> Well I didn't read much about the voice actors for this English language dub, but the voice of Fei Long is credited to a Phil Williams, aka the pseudonym of Brian Cranston. Really? It is it's, true. It's Fei not, Long it's not... is played by Breaking Bads. No. Wow. Again, that's a show I've not actually watched, but I can talk about the, the He Who Knocks and, and Shizzle. <laughs> is, it, is it Say My Name? Is that another thing he says? Yeah, Say My Name, Say My Name. He says that. He says, meth. <laughs> Ooh, Ooh, yeah, drugs. Drugs. <laughs> Ooh. And um, Need for Speed's Aaron Paul says, yeah. bitch and magnets. I said bitch a few times. In fact, we paused this episode to have our lunch and I thought, I said bitch quite a lot in this. I guess it's the early 90s rubbing off for me a bit. I apologise to all the, all the lovely bitches out there. <laughs> <laughs> all my bitches. I love you all. <laughs> I hope my wife doesn't hear this one. That's it. Now I remember who you are. You're the guy who beat Sagat, the Muay Thai champ, a few years ago. <laughs> I feel better about losing now. But you disappeared. Now don't try to tell me it's a coincidence and there's another Japanese fighter roaming around named Ryu. You know, I heard Sagat was hired as an attack dog by the Shadow Law organization. What's this Shadow Law? You don't know? Nope. It's a major organized crime syndicate that trades in weapons and drugs worldwide. They're involved in just about anything that's illegal. So, that's the path Sagat took. What's the scene in the alley where I think Guile takes out a cyborg and then in a firefighter outfit, watching the crowd (laughs) above... Is another cyborg. Well, this is when no, this is when they encounter DJ, and the oh, only reason right. they seem to like meet DJ because they like 
they want to warn him that there's cyborgs about, but really it's just an opportunity to stick DJ in this movie because that's yes. all he's there for. I was scanning my notes and I'm like, I know they meet up and I meet someone for some weird non-reason. I couldn't even remember it was DJ. But what I liked about that bit is, yeah, Chun-Li spots the cyborg that's looking at DJ and scanning him. And it's like a cyborg wearing like a baseball cap and a hoodie and it's trying to be like incognito. Mm. And just before Chun-Li sort of like decapitates the cyborg with her legs, um, it kind of like walks away. It like, it looks like just like, oh shit, <laughs> I've been rumbled and kind of like looks around sheepishly, makes a couple of steps away and then just like, blam, you're dead. But I just liked that even cyborgs are a bit like, Ooh, ooh, I better be um, inconspicuous. Mm. I mean, the thing is, he, the word cyborg is different to android, so maybe there is some like a human brain in there. Like, um, well, that makes it all the more chilling. It does indeed. But like, yes, he's not very good at incognito. He might as well be Red Dwarf Crichton walking <laughs> around. <laughs> like, I'm just a regular human sight person. <laughs> <laughs> um. And I think then after this, all this business, like we're seeing again, so just some random fights where I think Dalsim and Ihonda are fighting in India, and I think Dalsim like uses a non-game move where he's just using psychic powers. He's basically doing scanners to Ihonda, where I think Ihonda thinks he's about to explode, and then that'd be a hard move to. <laughs> put into a, a game of that era yeah. I think. Round two? Mash the button and then... <laughs> Make a just focus. This ain't Mortal Kombat. Um, but I think Dalsim sense the fighter and the audience and so I, I am saying I'm losing the thread a bit because I guess it's just a bit of business before before the big Chung Lee versus Vega fight. So Yeah, we we also get a snapshot of Zhang Yu versus Blanker and, and oh, sort yes. of like basically like a staged Las Vegas, you know, bout, which yeah. I think has been like Balrog is... This, this 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 crazy, weird, monstrous freak from 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 a dark and distant land. And Blanca! <laughs> Very good. Um, and it yeah, wasn't. Sort of, I don't know whether this is again like trying to sort of gauge more fighters. It just seems like an interlude to have Zangief and Blanca in this film somewhere. Um, and Balrog's like running the show. Maybe it's like kind of. I think there's maybe some like Shadow Lord deals mm-hmm. going on during this big kind of like Las Vegas yeah. title bout. But I there's can, this I can picture of... this these poorly animated gangsters in the background going through a single animation loop of like handing each other money back and forth. But there is just like this strange moment when it focuses on Balrog and like he pops his shirt open with his abs <laughs> while like grinning and that's it. That's it. New shirt, please. And he's like back on the bison jet, like seconds later. <laughs> yeah. I wrote that down. Balrog's buttons burst as he watches. It was, it was that good of a fight. Um, but yeah, you know, it didn't bother me so much. And, and as I said earlier, I appreciate, even though it seems a bit sort of, shoot in for no good reason it is still just a 90 minute film and crucially the fighting is good you know we're seeing all the moves like electricity cannonball biting or whatever the move Zangief does <laughs> but yeah it didn't bother me so much and then we don't see him again we don't need to we don't have Zangief saying change the channel or um, that f- 
You remember that fight where they pretend they're a Godzilla in the live-action Street Fighter film? Who's fighting? I think it's... It's Zangief and Zangief Honda. And Honda. I do like that film, but it's hard <laughs> to defend. Um, so anyway, I've written here. Here we go. The softcore shower scene. But um, Vega has been sent here to take out Chung Li. And I, I quite like Vega's characterization here because he's... Uh, he, he talks about skinning rabbits and he licks blood off his razors. He's a bit problematic. <laughs> I mean, he's a big creep. I mean, like, you know... It, We're going to cancel Vega now. I mean, Bison's also a colossal pervert um, already because he's, like, already using that fireman cyborg to scan closer on Chun-Li's body and looking her up and down. Um, and then, yeah, sends Vega to do the dirty work. And yeah, Vader's just like a a horrid man. <laughs> but you know, I kind of, I mean, I, I know I'm comparing this to a live action film a lot, but they're made around about the same time, and they're sort of taking different interpretations of a re- relatively new IP. Um, but whereas the Vega in the live action film, he's just like a matador type, a vague matador type thing. I like how here he's not. He's not really defined by his um, like heritage. He's defined by kind of he's just he loves his face. He's just really creepy. There's just something. Hey, there is a character there, and I really liked it. And but also, of course, there's the fighting itself is as marvelous as bouncing off the walls. There's how tall is this apartment? I mean, it's, like a, new, <laughs> it's a New York apartment. I say it's a penthouse, and like there's beams, and like Chun Li is like. When they're sort of up on the top and bouncing over things, there's a good length of time between them launching themselves from the ceiling and like colliding with the fighter below. So I don't know what Interpol pays, and maybe it's like you know a an employee's apartment, so it's like all inclusive. But I, I think it's that, a sweet deal. I'm assuming that because she gets to walk around in what I assume is exactly the clothes she wants to walk around in. Um, in her job, I think she's paid extremely well. Like she's she's paid like don't ask money. <laughs> so, yeah, hush hush money. Or she just skims a lot off the top of every Shadow Law ex- exec. I'm gonna say, <laughs> pulled in the trustee review at Shadow Law. <laughs> um, yeah, but you know the scene kind of ends. I mean, you know, despite the obvious objectivity of this scene. And Chung Li is not really handled so great at the start of this film. Like when she meets Guile, she goes all like weird cross-eyed anime for a little while. I don't know why. Just I guess the makeup seems just a little bit incompetent. And then after the scene, she's in hospital for the entire film, which I found was really disappointing. But I kind of like how, despite her being kind of vulnerable and often on back foot. She does eventually kick Vega's ass. I think it is she herself who... Is it she who punches him through a wall? Kicks him through a wall? Yeah, she 100 foot kicks, kicks him. him like basically through her apartment oh, building wall. and no, he falls. the landlord's going to be furious. I don't know. Interpol will cover it up, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, Vega falls to his uh, death question mark, presumably. Yeah, later on, Bison says to one of his henchmen, if he's not dead already, sort it out. So, I think basically kill Vader because he failed. Yeah. 
Um, just smother him with a pillow. <laughs> like, what's a good street fighter way to kill somebody? Because they don't do fatalities. Um, I'm coming up blank. I'm assuming that he is dead, though. He's going to travel to, like, New York, and I'm here to see a Vega. What's his last name? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it is his last name. Just the guy with, the guy with, like, razor blade hands. You've oh, got, yeah, you got three of those. <laughs> you need to narrow it down. Really? <laughs> um, so, this is where things kind of escalate, as I said, because, um, shortly after this, <laughs> shortly after this, I think Ken, sorry, um, shortly after this, Bison discovers that Ken was friends with Ryu. So I think he's using Ken to get to Ryu. And Bison sort of buzzes Ken's car with like an enormous plane. And then Bison is sort of standing down his cape and his armor. And Ken shouts, um, am I supposed to be impressed? I'll be pretty impressed. <laughs> like, you've got, you've got... You know, he's the master of a terrorist organization. And um... he kind of like abducts Ken like he's an alien. You know, he's sort of <laughs> yes. like psycho power levitates him up to his sort of bison jet. I did like whenever he did psycho power, he did sort of, he held his hands flat in front of him, which again is like just a bit off kilter and weird. That's not how you do martial arts, mate. But yeah, I just, I mean, I've played as bison a lot in. Street mm-hmm. Fighter 4, and mainly it's because of his winning smile. Yeah. But I just, yeah, I like Dig having a villain who is like, yeah, I'm going to be as villainous as possible and have no scruples, no backstory. Who cares? I'm just know. like, I've got a psycho power and I'm going to use it, damn it. I mean, I think it's just a matter of time before we have the uh, origin story, Cruella style, of how M. Bison <laughs> came to be. Um, I'm going to write that script now. I don't know. He went to Psycho Academy <laughs> and got the Psycho Power Cup, and all his mates are there, like little versions of Bice, of um, Balrog and Vega, and I think maybe Ryu would be the new boy. I don't know. I'm just spitballing again. You're, you're basically taking Harry Potter, and it is a bit like Harry Potter, <laughs> yeah, applying Street Fighter. <laughs> well, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey was Twilight fanfic, so yeah, well. Uh, yeah, they'll be welcome to my red room. Real. I mean, okay. <laughs> Speaking of which, so there is more nudity in this film, um, but it's basically Ken, who seems to be uh, a literal Ken doll, <laughs> because whereas the animators are, are very happy to portray Chung Li in all her boobalicious glory, uh. There is nothing going on between Ken's legs as he's strapped to this terrifying electronic table of fear. He's table. not packing meat. No, he's not packing meat. There's, uh, there's, there's literally... I mean, I know what they tell you about steroids, and it's absolutely apparent here. He's on that chair. He's all muscles, and it's just, uh, just a, a pink smear just down between his legs. I wonder, though, because basically, Bison's like analysing Ken's brain to work out what makes him tick and it seems like oh if i increase his rivalry against ryu like a thousand percent then i can use him to fight ryu that's like the that's what is like the thing which you know he can manipulate using his psychic energy some of his to-do list yeah but i i just like it'd be funny if like 
Bison's just doing this thing, and then like the little scientist dude walks in and being like, "Oh, Lord Bison, what are you up to?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm analyzing Ken's brain using my psychic power." And the scientist is like, "That's cool. Um, any reason why he's naked?" <laughs> uh, yes. Pass. <laughs> Um, yes, and improves the contacts on on the uh, the head thingies. Yeah, but about those are on his head. Um, I feel like is this like the second or third consecutive film we've done where like someone's analyzing somebody's dreams for fear data. I think it happened in Dead Space, and then did it happen in Max Payne? <laughs> Max Payne? Um, no. Scratch that theory. Moving on. Um, so where are we at right now? I mean, as we've said, so things are just all kind of going towards Bison's base, really. And Bison's got this sort of temple base, not entirely unlike uh, what we see in the Street Fighter live action movie. Um, but like the, the, the giant stone face um, splits open to allow kind of military warplanes and war helicopters to to fly in, and I just wonder, like, do you think people notice this giant mountain-sized face splitting open several times a day? It's a really weird thing with <laughs> with hidden bases, but um, you know, he's probably made a lot of money doing whatever this he does. Drugs, <laughs> drugs, drugs trafficking, drugs trafficking, um, memory cyborgs, monitor cyborgs, not memory cyborgs. Um, my own my notes are going a bit fuzzy here because it does become just everyone. I mean, maybe he gets his money by he sold those monitor cyborgs to like mother care or something. So they're like <laughs> standing they're like, silently in the corner of the room. Yeah, just like watching the cot. Terrifying cyborg. Like, oh, let's just check in on how the baby's doing. It's just like... yeah. And then, like, he watches that fighter rating number go up by, like, one <laughs> or two, like, as it gets bigger and bigger. And if the baby starts crying, the cyborg can just, like, pick it up and start rocking it in its arms. And... I thought you were going to say, it's just break its neck. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's different ways of... Uh... How do you remember to turn on the safety protocols? Safety protocols, <laughs> question mark? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> like <laughs> thinking about Robocop's prime directives serve the public trust don't kill babies <laughs> why is that number two? Oh well you know Ooh. we had real problems <laughs> I seriously want a Robocop t-shirt now with the prime directives on it but my own directives <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, yeah, go to our non-existent Games of Film merch store for unlicensed Robocop uh, director t-shirts. Um, I did like this bit though. Guile is shown a picture of Ryu um, after I think Ken gets abducted. In fact, actually, Guile finds Ken's car and he asks another dude, is that Ken's car? And the guy goes, no mistaking it, sir. And I thought he was going to say, there's long blonde hairs everywhere. <laughs> um, but then he's shown a picture of Ryu and he goes to meet Ryu. And his first question is like, are you Ken Master's friend Ryu? And I thought, five minutes ago, you just saw a picture of him. And he's wearing the same fucking clothes. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was just so he gets Ryu to identify himself as Ryu. He just needs to verify the name. But I thought that was a little bit odd. Um, <laughs> but I think... Oh, and 
Ryu's hanging out at E Bison's. No. E Bison's. Ryu's hanging out at E Honda's sort of mountaintop retreat, and he and he Ryu climbs up the side of the mountain to get there. And I was thinking, do you think E Honda does the same? I think Ryu is very much like an as the crow flies kind of guy. It does seem that way. I think he's probably walked through several rivers. Yeah, and like, <laughs> just like bottom of the ocean, a... <laughs> eating up a mermaid. There's there's a bridge, <laughs> Ryu. There's a bridge. No. He's basically um, M Bison is actually the man who created Tom Toms, <laughs> and uh, using the mind data, he creates GPS. But um, didn't work out so well for him. I don't know. I haven't downloaded What Three Words app. <laughs> if, I, if there's like a little copyright shadow oh. law at the bottom. I want to find One Three Words for uh, Hadorkin. I'm at Ha and Dor and Ken. No, 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 no. It was Shaw Ryu Ken. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the heroes are there. Chung Li's not there. She's still in hospital. Been out of action for half the film. And M. Bison shows up, I think, again in his helicopter. Oh, it's a jet. It's a bison jet. A bison jet. So this is where, like, good versus evil converges. So you have Ryu versus evil brainwash Ken. You have Honda versus Balrog, who very quickly roll off a mountain and disappear. Um, And you have Guile versus Bison, with Bison doing all his, like, teleportation-y moves and dodging all of Guile's sonic booms and uppercuts. Um, but I guess the main kind of like dramatic focus is this Ryu versus psycho-powered Ken. But um, in in tried and tested fashion, naturally, Ken wakes up and realises, oh, actually, I really do like Ryu. Why am I fighting him? And um, Bison is not pleased and calls Ken a worthless pile of excrement and <laughs> sort of tosses him, you know, about a kilometre away. <laughs> Just And these fights, they take place. There's a lot of flashbacks during these fights. And they it turns out that Ryu and Ken were, like, trained by a, a voice coming from a hut. And I thought, is this just like a speaker in this hut? <laughs> it, Maybe it is just the hut. <laughs> the hut. We were trained by the hut. What, like in Star Wars? No. No. Just like basically a shed. Basically. <laughs> there was a talking shed. <laughs> um, did you want to look inside the shed? See if there's a man inside? No. No, better not ask. No. No, don't ask, don't tell. It's just the shed. Um, I mean, again, there's just real stakes here because... Spicing is just so overpowered, and it kind of reminds me of the spy when Spider Man is versus Sandman. Because if you look at a lot of Spider Man's like best villains, they are kind of all antithesis to his own power set. So how does Spider Man grab sand? And the same, <laughs> yeah, I'm making that an, a, like that anyone parallel. else does. <laughs> um, but yeah, here, like, how do you fight someone you can't actually get hold of? And I think it's only when the brothers. I say brothers, you know, not actual brothers. The Smash Brothers. The Smash Brothers, they um, do the Hadorkin. If you're this far in the podcast and don't know what Hadorkin <laughs> is, I'll tell you. It's like a, a ball of light thingy, which they shoot out of their hands. And no one thinks that's amazing. That really clarified things. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Ken has joined the battle. And it's, it's weird because, like, Bison's been doing so well 
And then as soon as he now has to fight two of the greatest world warriors, mm. he's like, I'm going to fight on your level, which is like really unfair. Oh, yeah. Like he decides I'm going to stop using my psycho powers. For what? Like you've you've got them both uh, like where you the want ropes. them. And like their, their combined fighting power is something like, I don't know, uh, 3,624. <laughs> now that Ken's joined Ooh. don't tell Ken that <laughs> those four extra points oh, tips brutal um, I mean and yeah so like this double of Dorkin uh, basically M. Bison is blasting off again exactly I wrote that team rocket um, and he like, ex- like into his turns head. into a purple ball mm-hmm. of light which then flies into his bison jet and then it explodes that. He's had worse, he says. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, clearly not enough to stop him from driving a truck. Did he? Like, later on. Did he fly that himself, or did the pilot get taken out as well? Uh, and it's like, I don't know. I'm going to imagine that we he's got a butler we've never seen. Like, Psycho Jeeves. <laughs> I don't know what the um, the... You know, the air stewards and stewardesses on Bison Air. Bison Air. <laughs> The in-flight like... movie is propaganda. <laughs> um, yeah. And and so he dies and there's like 10 minutes left. And I'm like, what's going to happen? And um, his base gets destroyed by helicopters. Chung Li fakes her own death. Um, Ryu says, take care, hot shots. And Ken says, see you next time, muscle man. Ken's got like a girlfriend as well who definitely feels like a third wheel. <laughs> Um, well, it's it's weird because like earlier on, like what well, Ken's the only person who actually like changes his outfit multiple times, mm. apart from Chun Li when she's what is the secret naked. power? <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's got this kind of like, I guess a bit of work life balance, <laughs> in that he has like a girlfriend, and they're driving around. He's living his his best outrun life. Mm. In his uh, Porsche, although is it a Ferrari in Outrun? I don't know. Anyway, but it's definitely a Porsche. In this, all the shots of the word Porsche on the side. Yeah, and he almost drives it into a Capcom branded truck while he is flashbacking. Oh. Um, but yeah, he just kind of like casually says, "Eliza, let's get married," and she's like, uh, <laughs> um, "You never even mentioned marriage before." And then he's like, yeah, whatever. It's <laughs> like, so, great proposal, dude. I absolutely thought this was going to be a setup for a fridging. I thought, like, countdown to her being kidnapped or killed. I sort of thought that She Ken has would... a battle rating of 40,000. <laughs> <laughs> I sort of thought Ken would turn out to be a cyborg. He was just, like, acting so, like, weird about the whole situation. I forgot to mention, actually, one of my favourite bits of that Bison-Ryu-Ken fight. Well, um, the only way they start to get the upper hand is when Ryu like grabs Bison's legs, <laughs> and like as they're in this playground fight, and then he's like, "Oh, st- stop that! Stop that!" <laughs> um, but yes, we next see Bison. Like again, we we get the credits, and I I, I, I scanned through the, the last minute. As soon as Ryu started walking away, and the credits started to appear, I was like, "Do I have to watch this man slowly walking away from me?" Or do I get like a post credits scene? And like I said, it's just Bison 
driving a truck at him and Ryu jumps up as if to fight said truck. And I really want to see that scene. And it's all been watched by another cyborg monitor yes. standing in the middle of the road, presumably from the angle. It's like that scene in a film where you think the monster is defeated and then the camera pans down to more monster eggs, but they're not bison eggs. <laughs> it is bison in the truck. Um, but there is something at the very end of the credits. Did you see? There is a um, an advert for coming in spring 1995, Street Fighter, directed by Stephen E. D'Souza, now filming in Hollywood. And I decided to check out where Street Fighter was filmed. And I got a screenshot here of the credits, which say of the live action Street Fighter, how it was filmed entirely in Thailand, Australia and British Columbia. It lies. This film's a liar. I don't like it. I gave this film zero stars for <laughs> this fiction uh, at the end of the film. Well, there is... Uh, were you aware of the Street Fighter 2 animated movie video game? No. I was aware of the live-action video game. So, aside from this actual you know, film, there is Street Fighter 2, the interactive movie released on right. PlayStation 1 and Sega Saturn. It was released on PlayStation in 1995 and the Saturn the year after. Uh, Japan exclusive release, as you might uh, imagine. But it's a rare Street Fighter game where there's actually very little fighting in it. I see where the problem is here. And yeah, it's primarily an interactive movie where you effectively portray you play as one of Shadaloo's cyborgs oh okay and you watch clips from the movie okay and you scan those clips and then press a button and mm -hmm. it then activates I think it kind of like gathers data on the fighting and I think I'll start again I like to think that this is Bison trying to describe what he wants you to do. <laughs> Look, I'll start again. It makes sense. <laughs> okay, Cyborg's right. Okay. <laughs> this is what you've got to do. Um, so it says, the player has a limited amount of time to analyse their surrounding as much as possible in order to gather the most data. The player can take pictures, and if he does so when characters are fighting, it enhances the Cyborg's power. Several battles from the movie are included, as well as some extra animated scenes exclusive to this game. So mm. you watch clips from the movie and you press a button while you're scanning and then you basically improve your fighting capabilities. Which would be just like a number in yeah, the game. I guess like, so. It's a number marked fighting power. And But it does, as it says, there is like exclusive animation in the game which isn't in the film. So there's like an opening movie sort of montage cutscene. Do you remember in the Calcutta... Um, segment you see akuma briefly yes briefly yes. he's like begging on the street or he's just like sat there chilling with a bowl of oranges <laughs> um but <laughs> sorry a bowl of oranges is that actually in the film i think he's got like a bowl of fruit next to him okay man just like just enjoy his bowl of oranges leave me alone I mean, maybe he's selling him i don't know but if you click on him in this interactive movie you get like a tiny bit of animation where Ooh. I think he does like his he slowly eats an orange <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't peel it you know what's the best you know what's the best thing about eating an orange is starting a new one <laughs> um, easy peelers I like to get tough peelers to improve my thumbs 
but yeah, so this all all culminates with after you've watched all these clips from the movie mm-hmm. and harnessed all this data, you then fight Ryu as one of the cyborgs, and your move set is basically Ken's move set, which is basically Ryu's. Yeah, there's some slight differences. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then there's like different endings depending on the outcome of this fight. And there's also a versus mode where you both play as the cyborg. I see. And, um, you know, you can see some storyboards and sketches from the movie as well. So it's like, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one in the Street Fighter video game library. Probably, I wouldn't think better than just watching the movie and then playing Street Fighter 2. Sounds like one of those things that you'd play in the early 90s and like looking at it now it sounds like a piece of shit but then would have been the most exciting film ever. Oh yeah, I'm playing a video game and there's FMV clips of analyzing it and I'm increasing my number. (laughs) It's like amazing. It's like when we first saw DVD interactive menus and there was like, there's an interactive game where I can control it with my DVD remote. What? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it sounds like a precursor to enter the matrix as well. Where you're like, these are scenes specially made for the game. Um, is it better than Enter the Matrix? We'll find out in another episode. I think we should compare the two. <laughs> oh God, I'm too late. in peace now, kiddo. Bison is history, so we got our revenge like I promised you we would. Yeah, I know! Huh? Huh? Uh... Joint Interpol American military mission to destroy Shadow Law victorious. <laughs> you did it! Why, you little brat! What a dirty <laughs> trick! Oh, so you want to play dead? <laughs> I can arrange that. Well, having said all that, as I said before, I, I did, and I really enjoyed myself with this film. We've had a few kind of meh films, and as I said, it's not the it's not the most incredible story, but I think it's got a style to spare. It's not only kind of historically interesting in terms of animation style or where Street Fighter was at that time, but. Um, you know, you watch a Street Fighter thing for the fights, and the fight is great. It reminded me of, of <clears throat> it reminded me of, you know how like cartoons in the eighties, like Masters of the Universe or Thundercats, or um, I had another one on my head, Transformers, Gummy Bears. <laughs> I'm sticking with Transformers, but the animation of the title sequences were so much better than the content of the actual show. There's a lot of time and care to put into them. This is like the start of Transformers for 90 minutes. And so that to me is my uh, my ambrosia. And so, uh, yeah, two broken thumbs up, I think, for this film. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's definitely, you know, there's a reason why this film is well regarded by Street Fighter fans. Um, I think it does, yeah, the, the plot is a little bit... <coughs> balmy but no but i think it's it 
I think it does a decent enough job to justify having all these characters doing a lot of street fighting while it not just being, yeah, a straight out tournament style thing. Um, you know, keeping in keeping it, you know, to a degree close to the games, although in a slightly, I'd say, you know, as I said, darker, grittier fashion than maybe you would expect from just playing them. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's it's interesting. I, I think maybe it's a little overlong, but you know, given sort of some of the ropier animated offerings that we've had to do recently, this is definitely one of the stronger ones. I think I probably would prefer the Professor Layton movie just a bit more, but I'm more of a Professor Layton fan, I think, than a Street Fighter fan. Um, and yeah, maybe like the first Pokemon movie is a bit better, but I think that's sort of, even though I absolutely hated that film the first time I saw it, <laughs> um, it's more sort of bundled up in nostalgia. So yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the, um, top contenders in terms of, of those sort of offerings. And yeah, I, I would probably rather sit down and watch the live action Street Fighter movie more, but again, that's very much my own personal mm. uh affection for that the sort of ridiculousness of that is better than this film's like semi-serious sort of take on the same subject matter even though this is definitely a better street fighter movie yeah it's um i think this one is actually a better film hands down but um you know, you'd have a watch party, I think, watching the live action one. But this has enough, like, at least with, you know, the dub we watched and stuff, this has, like, enough kind of fun dialogue and, and quips and things. Like, yeah, I did chuckle a few times mm. watching uh, watching this film. So it's not, as I said, it's, like, semi-serious. It's, like, serious approach to the story, as it were. But, you know, it doesn't mean that we don't get you know, bison grinning and just being a colossal ass. <laughs> bison, you colossal ass. You know. Says, I don't have an ass. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm so angry all the time. <laughs> okay, well, with that image, we'll um, say goodbye to Street Fighter. We got some more Street Fighter films we we're going to do in the future. There's the, the Legend of Chung Li uh, to look forward to. Um, who's in? Who's in that? Who's like the big actor I know in that? I oh, think, I think is it Neil McDonough who we'll soon see in Welcome to Raccoon City, and he that's... was in Sonic the Hedgehog. Isn't he Bison in that? I can't remember, but isn't there like a guy from American Pie in that? Chris Klein, yeah. Chris Klein's in that. I that's think... who, that's who Harry's looking forward to seeing. <laughs> and um, does he play Chung Lee? <laughs> Maybe we'll see. Um, but yes, so long, farewell, goodbye. Uh, <laughs> sayonara sayonara street fighter um, in the meantime how can people keep in touch with games on film you can find more information about the podcast on our website gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast and that's also where you can find links for ways you can support the show you can contact us gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com and we are on social media instagram facebook and twitter at games on film pod so do please follow us there as we post quite a lot of stuff 
about upcoming video game movie news and TV shows and... Lots of retweets. Lots of retweets. <laughs> but, you know, relevant to the whole games on film experience. <laughs> I'm on Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Well, as I said, it's been a pleasure. Uh, as mentioned earlier, take care, Hotshot. See you next time, muscle man. Thank you. I'm the muscly man. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.